Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome, everybody, to Cutscene Saga. This is a new podcast where we dissect and discuss the stories in video games. So we work a little bit like a book club. Each month, we will choose a new game and gather a bunch of friends to talk about it. I'm your host, Joe Diskett. I'm joined this week by... Dominic Guilfoyle. Welcome, Dom. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. So before we get uh, launched into our first game, I think we should get to know Dom a little bit. So I did give him these questions in advance, so he sort of knows what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. So Dom, what is your all-time favorite game? Impossible question to answer. Yeah, I um, thought it might be. Yeah. If I could give like a handful, like nostalgia-wise, Morrowind, Elder Scrolls series, probably that amount of time played is probably the Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Other, otherwise, yeah, like Near Automata or Alan Wake in the last few years. Really love both of those. I like story a lot in a game generally. Excellent. Yeah. Sounds like... This is the yeah, perfect podcast for good. you. Yeah, like yeah. If I'd said I'm really not that into story, it would have been an awkward moment. <laughs> yeah, in the sound file. I've been like, yeah. so let's just pause there and come yeah. back next time. Yeah. No, but it sounds perfect. So, as a person who really enjoys video game stories, mm -hmm. what would you say is the game story that has sort of affected you most in an emotional or um, sort of mental sense? So probably either either near Automata or. Uh, Night in the Woods. Uh, it's a really good one I played fairly recently. Yeah. Um, just Night in the Woods, you know, that one is very down to earth and relatable, especially a lot of the themes relatable to a lot of young people's lives, I think. Uh, yeah, totally. So, yeah, that one makes a lot of sense. But also, uh, Near Automata is set thousands of years in the future. It's uh, sort of the other end of the spectrum, yeah, isn't it? It's, yeah, impossible to relate to. And yet, the playing as these automata who are in supposed to be programmed to be completely inhuman but are clearly very human and the way that the game manages to make you feel a connection with them particularly i think intentionally in the way that the gameplay starts being incredibly tedious about halfway through the game's runtime and that absolutely puts you in the same mindset as these automata who have been fighting for an eternity and just want to stop I think, oh. and that means that there's just like, yeah, I want to stop fighting, and so do these characters. I'm really in sync with where they're at right now, and I think that I think that was intentional at least. Yeah, it really helped my engagement with the narrative. Yeah, like using the gameplay itself yeah. to inform the story. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's platinum, so I have to assume it's intentional because tedious is never something I'd use to describe one of their games. But that one, like halfway through, I was like, yeah, I'm getting bored with this, and I I have to assume they did that on purpose. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're anything like me. I'm 
generally, if it gets tedious, I'll stop. Mm. Um, like I find it difficult yeah, to play I'll, MMOs and that sort of thing yeah. because it's a lot of grinding. It's usually the case for me, but I thought that even if if, if it was intentional, it helped me with the narrative, understanding sure. the characters as well. So like I used it to understand where the game was going at that yeah. point. Yeah. And my final question, could you tell our listeners what game are we talking about this month and what drew you to that game? What makes you want to talk about its story? We are talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. Of course we are. Yeah. So what drew me to the game, uh, I wasn't super looking forward to it for like a lot of the hype builds. I didn't watch the trailers. Um, people were talking about it a lot. And then it came out right as a really, really tough semester of uni was coming to a close. Yep. And if, and I'd just been like really just completely stuck into all this different stuff I was doing for uni and it was just a nightmare semester. And then everyone was talking about Red Dead 2 and saying, oh, there's, there's just too much complexity. There's too much going on for it to actually be, like this is not everyone was saying this, but I heard people saying it's just like, there's kind of a bit too much going on a lot sure. of time for me to kind of get a hold on. And I was like, no, that's, I need that right now. I need to just be able to completely grapple and engage with something that's kind of got a lot to sink your teeth into. Yeah. So I was just like, no, this is the game I want to play right now. So I went out and bought it. Yeah, sure. So it's that kind of game world you can really disappear into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I found exactly the same thing playing it. I've had that thing where, you know, you realize it's 3 a.m. and you've been playing mm. for six hours straight. Fantastic. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about Red Dead Redemption 2. We're going to be talking about the game world, the setting, characters, plot, all sorts of things. I should say we have a, on this show, we have a sort of a standing spoiler warning Obviously, we're going to be talking about the story. If you don't want the story spoiled for you, maybe pause the podcast, go play 100 hours of Red Dead Redemption, and then come back. <laughs> so even if you don't care about being spoiled, I feel like the sort of discussion of it, you'll get more out of it if you yeah. know what we're talking about. Absolutely. Red Dead Redemption 2 is the sequel to Red Dead Redemption, which itself was sort of a spiritual successor to another game called Red Dead Revolver, which I haven't actually played. I have played, uh, not all of it, and it was a long time ago. So I, yeah. yeah, it was a very different game as well. Yeah, it I've heard that it was more world. spaghetti western, more. Yeah, it yeah. was a. Uh, it might get the publisher wrong, but I believe it was a Capcom game. Oh, that okay. Was, that was like or, or something like that. That kind of got into a bit of development hell and then everything was not coming together and then Rockstar bought it up and kind of tweaked it and finished it. And sure. so it, it is a very different tone to the other yeah. more Rockstar related games. And I mean, finishing games is like finishing games to a polish is Rockstar's thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the Red Dead Redemption 2 was announced in October 2016 and then was delayed twice to come out in October 2018, it had a bit of a, a controversy, I guess, didn't it, around mm. particularly the game writers, funnily yeah. enough, having to put in a lot of crunch time, a lot of extra overtime to just get it finished in time for release. And a lot at a time when a lot of attention was being drawn to uh, the concept of crunch and a lot of people in talking about trying to get a game workers union together and everything, and then... Yeah, this game was such an incredibly high-profile release and then started having controversy yeah. around it just when that was reaching a peak, so it got a lot of attention for that. And while Rockstar has said that it was just the writers that were in that level of crunch, other people have come out and said, no, no, no we were all in crunch <laughs> for years. Yeah. So it's, it's a murky issue yeah. on this one in particular. And of course, you know, Rockstar is one of the biggest game studios, aren't they? And they mm. particularly having to follow up Grand Theft Auto V, which is like mm. one of the biggest 
well, the biggest game ever released. Mm. And one of the biggest uh, games is an ongoing service kind of thing yeah. as well with uh, GTA Online still going. Yep. Strong is a word. Um, <laughs> a lot of people don't like it. But yeah, yeah it's, no, it's I'm, still very I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, it's still being supported five years on. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, and so Red Dead Redemption 2 is second only to GTA 5, had um, second biggest opening weekend of any entertainment product ever. That's across movies, music, anything. And so since it's been released, the game has been critically acclaimed and it's won several awards, including at the Game Awards 2018, where it won Best Narrative and Best Performance for Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan. So mm. obviously that's of particular interest to us. Yeah. And that I think that was one of the things, I mean, we'll talk about this more when we talk about the characters in a few weeks, but one of the things that really struck me was the, the acting I felt yeah. was particularly strong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pretty much across the board. Yeah. 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 I, it, even when you encounter an NPC in a town, it like none of them really feel like weak links. Uh, mm. You know, there was never any immersion breaking for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and so the game itself is massive. The storyline alone takes dozens of hours to play. Yeah, a long time, and the map apparently is close to fifty square kilometers, which is insane. Like, yeah, it's it, con- it contains most of the map from Red Dead Redemption One yeah. plus a bigger section. They've more than doubled from the first game. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, and that leads well into what we're going to be talking about today, which is the setting and the world building. This game is set in the Wild West, but it's sort of the end of the world, the less Wild West. Yeah. The West is not quite so wild anymore. So it's set in, I think, 1899, I want to say. Yep. I felt like having this very familiar sort of setting, you know, like it, it looks like a Western, you know, you walk into Valentine and it looks like, like a Western movie mm-hmm. and how perhaps that freed up some room to talk about other things that don't often get talked about in that genre. Does that make sense? You know, so it's like we we already know the baseline. We don't need yep. to talk about what a cowboy is. We don't need to talk oh, yeah, about what an outlaw yeah. is. It it definitely uh, relies to a degree on the audience's pre existing understanding of the cliches yeah. of uh, of an old western, so that it can work with them and in some cases subvert them to a degree. Yeah, totally. And so it's also it's a prequel to Red Dead Redemption, which was set in 1911 as yeah. well. There's a fair bit of overlap thematically in talking about how the West is fading away and everything's becoming more modernized. And Red Dead Redemption 1 kind of framed its world as the last gasp of the Old West. Yeah. And then Red Dead Redemption 2 kind of also frames its <laughs> setting as the last gasp of the Old West. Yeah. Civilization hasn't come along quite as much. There, there are a handful of automobiles in yeah. Red Dead Redemption 1 that aren't there in Red Dead Redemption 2 yet. Industrialization is only found in one city of Saint-Denis and mm. the rest is still kind of there's still wide open plains and lawlessness yeah. out there, but you know it's encroaching. Yeah, it still feels like the Wild West when you're yeah, there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the choice in the second game to expand eastwards helped them to do that. Oh, this is the last gasp of the West, mm. and so that kind of yeah, they had a, a continuity there with their first game where mm. John Marston's gone further west in order you know to have that last gasp like one thing i found really interesting was i really loved that the game begins with you in the snow in the mountains Mm. in the grizzlies you know with people dying from cold yeah because the wild west genre is always so rooted in that dusty texas kind of look Mm. they've fled as far as they can from the because it begins a bit in medias ray and 
they've just had a job go horribly wrong so they're fleeing from the town of Blackwater and they've just gone as far away as they can so they've yeah. run away into the mountains to hide for a while and yeah. geographically and thematically it's like the last place that they can hide yeah true sort of thing and it's the on. furthest place from where you would expect the game to be set mm. by being in you know by being in the wild west yeah it also begins and ends up in the grizzlies as well like yeah the final, true the final encounter yeah, yeah. at the end of the was it the second the second epilogue? Epilogue. <laughs> it's a long game yeah i really liked exploring the world i mean you know this is a densely richly mm. packed place mm. and you know you get to see the the railroads being built and these yeah. worker camps and um logging camps as well yeah and it's kind of spreads across the world bit by bit as the game uh progresses in timeline like there's a logging camp you can encounter and do a, like a mission related to it early on and then you know a few missions later you can come by there and it's it's abandoned they've yeah. they've they're done logging in that region they've moved on sort of thing yeah they're slowly moving through the world yeah 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 one of the little details that i liked and i'm not sure if it was an intentional detail is there's a trapper out in the woods so you can like sell your pelts to mm. and by the end of the game there's a railroad like 10 meters away from him oh really uh, yeah like and it actually feels a little bit out of place but it does feel like yeah he's this wild grizzly man that you've been selling your pelts to and now by the end of the game that railroad that was being built is over here now. Is, is it's literally it, it's encroaching there. on yeah. him, yeah. And I mean, I found, particularly when I was playing the other day, I was exploring the very northeast of the map and I yeah. found some really cool stuff. Found a Viking fort, of a Viking burial ground. Um, I don't think I found that one. No. Oh, I explored I, a lot and I didn't think I found that one, yeah. I was I was shocked, you know, <laughs> and Arthur makes a little sketch of it in his yep. in his book, and there's a there's a Viking helmet in there that you can wear. You know, you can swap oh, your hat man. out for it. <laughs> but you know, it's those sorts of tiny little details oh, yeah. that I just absolutely did not expect to find in this yeah. Wild West game. Yeah, like every time you find an old shack out in the middle of nowhere, there's probably something. Yeah, like there's one shack I found where there were just like some people sitting around like the the dinner pot, and a meteor had smashed yes. the roof and obliterated them, and there was just like just a crater in the middle of a shack. Yeah, like, like still smoking, yeah. like it's, it's just happened. Arthur yeah. picks it up and he's like, ah, <laughs> it's hot. What's going on? And then I guess tied into that, the sort of time period setting as well. Near that meteor shack, I found one of Nikola Tesla's towers, you know? Well, yeah, the, the, in uni- the, the, the XB for Nikola Tesla in this universe. Did you do his quest line? The, 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 you, do, you can meet that man. Really? Yeah. <gasps> yeah, that guy, he, uh, he, his first quest line, there's like three little bits to it. Uh, you can meet him in Saint-Denis, and he is, oh, he's God. invented the remote control battleship thing that you get to control, and uh, there's this whole little oh, section. Oh, my gosh. Well, I know what I'm doing when I go home tonight. Yeah, yeah, head to Saint-Denis, you might be able to find him. Yeah. Yeah, there's, so there's, but there, that's just one of the things, there's so much that you can absolutely miss. Mm. Like, you can have a complete experience, like a long experience in Red Dead Redemption 2 and still miss out on a lot. Yeah. Like, I never found the KKK, and I'm still sad about it. <laughs> I ran into them the other day. Oh. It was it was great. Yeah. I shot them. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I got honor points for shooting them, which I thought was a nice touch. Oh, yeah. One of the things when I, when I was thinking about what we're going to talk about for this episode, one of the things that struck me is a lot of these story-based games, you know, these very story-heavy games that we play, are very rarely set in the real world, so to speak. Mm. You know, like, like obviously, Saint-Denis is a fictional city and whatever, but, you know, it's based... Yeah, it's it's very much like they've changed the names. Like all of the states have different names. Yeah. Like Texas is New Austin, that sort of yeah. thing. But yeah, it's definitely supposed to 
evoke something that's very close to the real world. Yeah. I was, I was looking at sort of the other games we, we're going to be discussing in this podcast, and so many of them are fantasy or sci-fi or... And I think that speaks to the strength of the the writing and the characters in this game. You know, it doesn't need to be driven by these crazy magic events or technological events or a zombie apocalypse. You know, it's just following these characters through the game and seeing what they do, seeing, you know, where, where everything goes. Yeah, and seeing what the world does to them and how they react to the world around them as yeah. well because they, they wind up being very reactive characters yeah, totally. throughout as well, which, yeah makes them feel like they're a lot smaller than the world that they exist in, despite the fact that they're the main characters. Yeah, and I definitely felt that more in this Red Dead Redemption 2 than I did in the first one, I think. Yeah, the first one, because you have more of a purpose throughout it as well, whereas like in this in Red Dead Redemption 2, you're mostly just trying to survive and yeah. you know, get, get enough money to, to head to Tahiti yeah. or whatever Dutch's <laughs> plan is at this point in the game. Whereas in Red Dead 1, you have a goal, or Red Dead Redemption 1, you have a goal all the way through until the final chapter where you are trying to kill the old members of your gang. And the, if you do that, the government tells you that, that you'll get your wife and son back. Yeah. So there's more of a more of a connection to a specific part of the world in Red Dead Redemption 1, whereas in 2 you're just kind of existing. Yeah, yeah, that, that, I was about to say, I definitely feel like I have more control over the landscape mm. in Red Dead 1. I don't think I ever really got lost. I always kind of knew what I was doing. Mm. Red Dead 2, I can just pick a direction and walk and have no idea where I am yeah. for hours of gameplay. And the fact that it has so many different biomes in it as well. Yeah. Red Dead Redemption 1 it was like... You had the desert, you had tall trees, and then you had Mexico, which yeah. is a different desert. A different desert, time. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, whereas in this one, yeah, you can... There's, like, two different mountainous regions. There's a swamp, there's wide open plains, mm. there's two different deserts. Yeah. yeah. And I find myself staying away a lot from the Grizzlies and Amberino because I find it quite intimidating. I'm like, mm. I don't know what's going to happen up there. I feel like I'm going to get killed by wolves. I saw mm. what happened to John. Not sure I want to go back there. <laughs> and the... You just kind of, you, you every chapter, the game is broken into a series of chapters and every chapter, the reason that it's a new chapter is because you're in a new camp location. Yeah. And the, the gang just keeps keeps on moving further and further. They're supposed to be moving west, but throughout the game they actually move further east yeah. because that's where the lore is chasing them. Which really, again, gets that feeling of it's the last hurrah and you're getting cornered in. Yeah, and absolutely getting hemmed in and you're in... Yeah. You're, like early on, like you have a couple of camp chains and you go, oh, this place is nice. We're really nice. Yeah. And then by the end, you're <laughs> just in the worst, most horrible part of the map, just yeah. completely cornered. I really enjoyed how, like you're talking about the different biomes, mm. how those really have a really strong impact on the characters, the just, the, you know, the everyday people you meet. Mm. Talking to someone in the bayou near Saint-Denis oh, yeah, yeah. versus talking to someone on the westernmost part of, New Austin. Oh yeah, well yeah, and especially since New Austin at this point in the timeline, it's been it was like established in the previous game that it's only kind of just uh, being built up and to uh, the whatever the the town in the middle of New Austin, like your first you start a Armadillo. town, uh, Armadillo. I wanted to call it like Tombstone and then Gunsmoke. <laughs> I was never going to get there. Uh, it's only just being built, built back up again after it was struck by disease, which you yeah. can encounter in this game. Yeah. And so it's there, there's very little out there. Whereas in like you can you go, you ride off in the uh, into the Grizzlies or something to go on a hunting trip and you ride past some people and that maybe they'll, they'll be 
uh, friendly and they maybe they'll compliment your horse or maybe mm. they'll be like, I don't didn't come up here for, for companionship. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, like like people are so angry in the mountains is oh. what I've discovered. For a lot of the time, they're really angry until you get a nice horse and then they all yeah. say, oh, that's a fine <laughs> horse you got there. <laughs> then everyone loves yeah, you. Wish my horse looked like that. Oh, yeah, but particularly in, when you're in the in the swamp or in the eastern parts of the map, the swamp and then the, the, the bayou and the the northern area around like Beaver Hollow and everything mm. where there's two different horrifying hillbilly groups who kidnap <laughs> people and skin and eat them. Just like people don't people don't hang around there as much as they do in, in yeah. the other parts of the map for sure. Yeah. And I suppose one of the other big things to do with the setting in this game that we haven't really spoken about is the the wildlife. You know, the the yes. animals and the the flora and the fauna. There's a scene fairly far through the game where you kind of get stuck in the bayou with this giant alligator coming towards you. And that is one of the few video game scenarios where I've been really scared. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's just something about alligators, but that thing really, really wrecked me. (laughs) Yeah. That's, it's a, it's definitely trying, like one of the bits in the game where they're going, they're going for a bit of a genre shift, like mixing things up a bit. And especially in like that chapter four, it's also things are getting a bit more like organized crime esque, and you're kind of, and you're trying to you know get in with the crime lord in Sandini, and then you're trying to get revenge, and it's getting a little bit, <laughs> a, a little bit straying a little bit from the western thing, and then it, the 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 peak of that is yeah the bit where you're being hunted by a gila monster in the in the bayou and trying to shoot it, and it's immune to bullets and stuff. Yeah. I went back and killed that thing and made oh, it good. into boots. Good. And they are hideous and I love them. Yeah. Oh, the, um, those are the boots you sent me the photo of. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's supposed to be the same monster. Yeah. It's, yeah, the giant yeah. albino uh, alligator. So ugly. They are beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, I, and I really I really do enjoy that legendary animal system mm. they've got. Like I killed the legendary moose the other day and then I was like, oh, shit. That was like a really nice animal. Yeah, like, it was this, legendary. Yeah, yeah, this beautiful, majestic albino moose, and I've just mm. shot it through the face with a sniper rifle. Yeah, that's one of the weird things with that system as well, with the legendary animals, where all other parts of the hunting mechanics, there are specific weapons you need to use mm. for different animals, and you need to hit them like in the vitals, otherwise you're going to mess up the pelt. Yeah. But then the legendary animals, because there's only one of them, the game can't be like, oh, no, you messed up. Yeah. So you can just go to town and use explosive shotgun yeah. slugs and still get the... <laughs> and still get a perfect yeah, pelt. Yeah, because it's just like yeah. a little bit of story and gameplay segregation there that kind of <laughs> kind of begins to unravel some elements yeah. of the world for me a little bit. Yeah. And I suppose one of, the, one of the big things this game's been renowned for in terms of its, its setting is the realism the way that they've mm. tied a lot of the game mechanics and such into supposedly extremely realistic. Mm. It's one of the first game when it's one of those games where that's such been such a focus that I've been seeing more like, you know, think piece and stuff about how it's the uncanny valley of world design. Like sure. we finally reached it where like most games you can play it and be like, it's a game. This is like, oh, it's it's gamey. You know, yeah. you've got all these mechanics that don't really seem like they match up with how they should be. But then Red Dead 2... Red Dead Redemption 2 does such a consistent job at trying that it makes the failures so much more glaring. Yeah, and I now that you've said that, yeah, I it, I really notice that particularly if I'm out hunting and I'm skinning an animal, mm. you know, like sometimes the animal might be positioned weirdly and it can't yeah. play the animation properly and Arthur will just sort of stick his knife into it and then voila, he's got the, 
yeah. he's got the skin. It's like in any other game, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, cool, he's skinned an animal. But in yeah. Red Dead, it's like, oh, that's not that's not how that looks. Like, mm-hmm. and just every now that every now and again, you'll hear the same the same voice file, or yeah. you, you'll encounter the same stranger thing because uh, you have encounter different little world events that are just not even side quests, just like little interactions yeah. you have. I had a man ride past, like being taken in by marshals. He was strapped to the back of a horse saying, oh, you got the wrong man. You're looking for my brother, Petey. Petey's always getting into trouble. Uh, I had him run past about a dozen times before I eventually just shot him and rescued him. And then from that point on, suddenly I was encountering marshals bringing in his brother, Petey, over and over again, saying that, no, my brother's a damn liar. I'm just like, it's it's so close. And that makes it more glaring when things don't go right. Yeah, I totally agree. Every game oh, yeah, has absolutely. bugs, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah. especially Red Dead Redemption One. Well, yeah, yeah, which was notoriously such like spaghetti code that it's never been ported to PC or <laughs> modern consoles because yeah. they can't do it. They can't unravel it. Yeah. yeah, the the controls are a bit clunky at times. Intentionally so, in a weird way as mm. well. It's it it over animates. Yeah, like my, because it's trying to go for a really detailed realization of the real of of a real world you're not having oh you teleport into your horse you don't have yeah you don't you know your gun's not suddenly your hand you're not skipping any animation ever yeah which means that you control slightly weirdly because in most games you responsiveness is related to like fairly unrealistic animations and yeah. they've gone for the other direction with that yeah and particularly things like jumping you know, you mm. press the jump button and it's a good like half second before you're in the air. Yeah. Got used to doing that on horses for sure. Yeah. After a lot of times where I just went flying. <laughs> yeah. I have my, my poor long suffering horses ended up face mm. down in a lot of ditches. Oh. And I suppose, you know, there's a lot of, again, tying into that over-realism thing. There's a lot of things where as a game player, you get trained in how to do something, you mm. know, like, like, you know, how to fast travel or, you know, how to jump or any of those sorts of things. And then suddenly that's that's switched on you. That's yeah. slowed down or moved around. It threw me a few times, particularly yeah. when I was just beginning playing. Yeah, but then there were also little elements every now and again where things worked exactly the way they expected them to without really, like, without knowing that I was in there. Mm. Like, there was just, like, at one point, because you can rest to create a camp or, like, craft sure. and stuff. And I was like, I bet if I hold down triangle, I'll rest. And I don't know why that was yep. the case, but it was. Yeah. And there was just like a, just little things every now and again, where it's like think the world every now and again reacts very impressively to mm. crazy stuff that you're mm. doing. Yeah. But then that's you know, there's only so much so far that can go. Yeah, and I mean, there's certain things where I feel like the devs have probably put a lot more effort than needs to be the, put into things. The, the like, notorious horse balls. Yeah, that shrink yeah. and grow in the, the heat. shrinking horse balls. I never even saw Why them. can you put up a tent in your camp? It has no gameplay effect. You know, it has no change. Yeah, yeah. It's so you know, it's those kind of quality things mm. that I guess make the game feel realistic. Yeah. But well, if you don't pull your weights and bring in money and food and that sort of thing to the gang's camp, you really don't have any gameplay negativity. Like they're not going to starve. No. But people make comments just like. Yeah. Mr. Morgan, we could really yeah. use some food uh, and people yeah. get a little bit a little bit antsy with you and yeah. that's the extent of it, but you do grow to care about the characters and so 
they re- them reacting to you in that way in the camp kind of does make you feel a, b- a little bit bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Miss Miss Grimshaw pulled me up the other day for not putting enough money in the box. Mm. But then it's like, oh, we need more food. Okay, I'll go to the ledger, shall I? Nobody else will go to the ledger and replenish the stocks. Yeah, you can. You, if you look in the ledger, other people are donating. It's just They're like, donating, oh, yeah, I donated. Yeah. A, uh, Charles donated some eagle feathers for yeah. thirty nine cents. <laughs> no, and then I'm like, here, have a hundred bucks. Yeah. to buy a new chicken coop. I want to buy this specific upgrade, so I'm putting four hundred dollars yeah. in right now. But you know what, Charles Chicken Feathers certainly, oh, yeah. certainly made yeah, the he's difference. Pulling his weight. Yeah. yeah, I was playing yesterday, and I um I needed chicken feathers, so I decided to kill a chicken. Mm-hmm. Someone saw me kill the chicken. I presume the chicken belonged to somebody, and I got a criminal charge for it, not for killing someone else's chicken, but for animal cruelty. Yeah, that was yeah, <laughs> and that was when I had that happen in the past when I've accidentally hurt like. Like I killed someone's horse by accident yeah. or something and someone saw it and it's like animal cruelty and it's like, it's a bit more than that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there was a man riding that horse apart from anything else. He's probably, you know, looking for some more severe charges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, this is a meat chicken. Like this chicken exists to be eaten, mm. but apparently me killing it is animal yep. cruelty. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those kinds of not immersion breaking, but immersion wobbling things. Yeah, trying to put a little make it a little bit more gamey after they've after they've put the dial so far in the direction of realism over gaminess. They want yeah. a little bit of the game back in there and that hurts it a little bit sometimes. Yeah. In particular like you commit a crime or something out in the middle of nowhere, you you look at someone the wrong way and they start antagonizing you yeah. so you just shoot them in the head because <laughs> it's you know, that's yeah. what you do. He looked I'll, at me sideways. Exactly. And, and I I know he was going to shoot me if I didn't get off his ranch yeah. quick enough, so I'll just shoot yeah. him first. And then suddenly there's like a bunch of extra riders walking along the path and just like, these guys yeah. wouldn't have spawned if i hadn't committed this crime i'm sure exactly like the bounty hunters if you ride into like towards blackwater before you're supposed oh, yeah, just, to yeah. suddenly a swarm of 10 bounty hunters happens to appear in yeah. your path yep. but, uh, that was one of the really big that that was an immersion breaking one for me yeah we don't want um, you to be able to go here ahead of time in the plot yeah like, even later on you get wanted because like on the map blackwater and everywhere west of the, the ravine that leads towards blackwater is wanted dead or alive yeah later in the game like for the last two chapters you are wanted dead or alive in like the entire of the eastern part of the map but all that means is that if a guard sees you you will get a wanted level yeah but yeah it's not instant death to be there which is good because that the entire second half of like, like <laughs> in, that whole section of the game is where all the quests are yeah well yeah exactly Well, I think we'll probably wrap this episode up there. So we're going to be back next week. We're going to talk about the story of the game. So thank you, Dom, for coming in to speak. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Thank you to our fantastic producer, Zane C. Weber from That's Not Canon Productions. You can find us on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Cutscene Saga. And if you want to speak to us at length, you can email us, cutscenesaga at gmail.com. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs>